There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to another edition of Insane in the Membrane. Insane in the Membrane. Hello everybody. I am absolutely buzzing because this week's guest is a very, very good friend of mine. Um, and it's an absolute pleasure to have him on. And I hope you lot are doing well. I hope everyone's everyone's uh, getting back to a, a relative normality as, as much as you can. I hope everyone, I hope, you, hope you're doing okay. Uh, thank you to everybody for the lovely messages that you send, and to our lovely patrons. If you'd like to be a patron and support the podcast, uh, just go to the Patreon pages. There'll be there's links and stuff connected to this. So click on those, and if you can help us out. That would be fantastic. Small donations, whatever you want to do, just to help us keep the lights on and keep us giving you the greatest podcast in the land. Um, and again, like I said to people sending messages and things like that, if you if you listen to this and you and you want to drop me a line, you are more than welcome. Uh, I do get back to everybody. Might not be immediately, but I will get back to you. I promise. So uh, we have some really nice conversations with people. It's been really cool. So if you want to do that, that'd be fantastic. My guest this week. Uh, is Jared Christmas and I've known Jared I think I've known Jared ever since I before I was before comedy um, when I, I used to work up the creek when I was a barman I, was, I became friends with him and his name is actually Christmas which is fantastic one of the most positive people I've ever met we talk about this in the episode um, and we, we talk about stay, trying to stay positive you know, I'm like, you know we again we do talk a lot about comedy, but not we're not in a way that you you know it's kind of pushes people away. We just talk about what it, why we do it really, and what what what, you know, why, and why we need to do it. You know, it's not an attention thing. We just we just love doing what we do, and the fact that we don't do it anymore is it's been, it's, yeah, it's been a bit of a weird one, you know. And so we talk about that in the episode, amongst other things. We have a really good chat. He's he, like I say, he's one of the most positive people I've ever met. And, uh, and I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. So without further ado, here's Jared Christmas. I'll press record and then... I'll just unplug the uh, fish. Hang on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Done. Done. I've just done a big two-hour session with Jade and um, the fish have been off uh, <laughs> for that. So yeah. we thought we'd give them 10 minutes. Yeah. Time. Fish oh, are going to die yeah. for, the, for the art of podcasting. <laughs> Mental health podcast and we're killing yeah. fish. <laughs> I've kicked my kids out of the room, so... Yeah. Yes. I've got, yeah, I've got Jade still here, so she does <laughs> like she likes to chip in now and again. So yeah, the biggest cool. kid of them all. Yeah, giant toddler. What, Jade? I'm like Nia. Nia? Oh, what? Bill Burr's missus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
All right. <laughs> <laughs> Saying nothing. Cool. Well, that sounds all right. Does it sound to you, Paul? Sounds brilliant. Excellent. All right. Jared, nice one for coming on, man. Hey, thanks for having me. There's no big introduction. We just uh, we just chat because just I've said do this, it. Because I've said it before, like as soon as you if you do a big intro, then people kind of go oh, and they get into performance mode. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. And it's, I want to. You don't get, want oh, people performing, mate. No, nah, man. I want I want to get them to get to know the real Jared yeah. Christmas. I tell you who you don't want performing is performers. Oh God, that's, yeah. that's the Ugh. worst. Who wants that? <laughs> <laughs> and thankfully, all of us are out of practice now after the last four months. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to need to do it into screens when we're on stage next time. Just, <laughs> just have this little box in front of us. Yeah, um, I'm going to have to hold the mouse as well as my microphone. To... <laughs> a mouse? Retro, man. Yeah, why? What do you have? Uh, my hands and just... Uh, yeah, yeah. Fair yeah, enough. Yeah, 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 the future. Trackpad, right. mate. Trackpad. Uh, well, yeah, well, like you, you, you wasted all your, all your dough on a disco floor. <laughs> if I remember That's rightly. Yeah. <laughs> Although I've spoken to people about the fact that you've got a disco floor, everybody's envious, man. I don't have a. I don't permanently have a disco floor. Oh, is he not just down? And so you could just like walk around like Michael no! Jackson. No, no, it was at my wedding. Ah, is this, in, you... is this because of the artwork I sold? Yeah, I thought you had in your kitchen a disco floor. No. <laughs> <laughs> wow, my brain is amazing. I love that. If you've been telling people that, that's. So I mean, cool. tell everyone that. Jared's yeah. got a disco floor. What, <laughs> all the time? In. Yeah. <laughs> really spruces up his breakfast. No, it was for our wedding. We were ah, a little bit. We, we were a little bit short, and we wanted to hire a band. And um, then I found out a Banksy print that Amelia had got me for my birthday. She paid about 80 quid for it. Girl with a balloon, mate. Numbered yeah. print. Wow. Um, and it was selling for about two grand on eBay. And what? Yeah, and we paid 80 quid. So we're like, oh, my God, two grand's going to sort us out. So we sold it. Do you remember Simon Fox? I do, yeah. Yeah, he was the go-between because he's a graffiti art collector. Ah, so right. uh, I got chatting with him, and he said uh, he had a contact who wanted to buy it. Um and so the guy showed up, and I think he gave us just over about two thousand two hundred wow, cash. So we got a band, we got a we got a disco dance floor for the night, and um, that was way back in two thousand and eight. And then I reckon it must have been around two thousand fourteen. Girl with the balloon was selling for sixty five thousand pounds. Oof. Okay. No, I'm sorry I brought it up. But it was a really good dance floor, mate. <laughs> exactly. You made the sacrifice. That's a yeah. beautiful thing. What a yeah. beautiful thing for the woman that you love. That's lovely, man. <laughs> so how's your mental health since that? <laughs> oh, mate, I, it is one of those things that keeps popping up in my head. And I, I'm sure everybody has it, you know, like, um, you, you know, uh, oh, I shouldn't have done that or something. But it just keeps popping up in my head that, Banksy print like mm. we could have had a you know an iPod would have done at the wedding um, <laughs> you know the band were great uh, and the dance floor was good but underneath the dance floor was an actual floor so yeah right you know, <laughs> that's the thing about a, floors no any floor can be a dance floor it's just the music right yeah there's loads of floors around I've seen them yeah so every now and then I'll just catch myself Googling how much girl with a balloon oh, goes for now. Torturing yourself, going, man. Oh, mate. 
You could be putting an extension on your house now. You know? <laughs> but you know what? You did you did the right thing at the right time, man. I uh, feel. Look, absolutely, you know? I do as well. And that's what I keep thinking back to was that we could not believe we were getting over two grand for that print. Exactly. Could not believe it. Yeah, exactly. You did a good thing, man. And yeah. You, you made money. You did it. You, you brought. You, it's lovely. I love that story. But I did think it was your kitchen. <laughs> no. I don't know. It'd <laughs> be amazing if it was. Um. <laughs> Every time you go and make breakfast for the kids. Dun, dun, yeah. Dun, yeah, it lights dun. up like Billie Jean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How you been, man? Are you all right? I've been all right. I've been all right. Yeah. Um, I think pretty much the same as a lot of people, you know, up and down. Mm. Um which I've never really been in my life, I don't think. Um, I've always been fairly s sort of rock steady. Yeah, um, I've always known you to be pretty chipper. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this has been... Uh, I've been dealing with uh, emotions that I've never had to really deal with, so it's been mm. fun. It's been Mate. fun. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? When it's Yeah, we talked about this a lot over the last few episodes, that it was... the. We didn't in a million years think that everything would be gone in within like twenty minutes. Like everything yeah. we were working on, and sort of you just assumed you were just going to be gigging forever, and comedy was always just going to be there. And then it just went, and you're like, holy shit! It's like you know when you see the cartoons run off the cliff, and then they like yes. waggle in the air for a bit. And like, <laughs> I feel like I'm waggling in the air, just waiting to waiting to drop. Yeah, and I, you know, I thought this is just a—it's a bulletproof industry, you know. Mm. Uh, the credit crunch didn't really, didn't really hit the the comedy industry. Sure, I, uh, jonglers collapsed, but mm. you know, other fantastic gigs came out of the ashes yeah. of that, you know. And everything kept, uh, you know, kept surviving. And I know, you know, there was a lot of us talking about the numbers were down on a lot of places, and you know, it did seem as though. You know, it was maybe not struggling, but certainly the bubble that, you know, both of us started mm, yeah, in. You yeah. know, I, I got over here in 2000 and people were saying the bubble has burst. And I was like, what are you on about? I'm doing four <laughs> gigs on a, on a Saturday night. Yeah. Um, but you just never thought it would go away. And then suddenly when it did, uh, I thought, oh, this is all I've done for 20 years, right? Yeah. I, was, I started doing stand-up when I was 22 years. I started when I was 18. Wow. And as soon as it started going well, I was like, I'm not investing in any other skill set. I'm just going <laughs> to focus on this and try yeah. and be as, the best at this. You know, I didn't do any woodworking or and learn to type or do anything with my hand, you know, so... Yeah, we didn't have to. We just thought comedy was it. We didn't in a million years envisage that some someone would eat a bat somewhere. <laughs> and then or lick out a bat I think it's more sexual mate <laughs> <laughs> well that do you know what right if that's the way it went then that's that's fair enough I like a bit of experimentation yeah. as long as the bat and the as long as it was consensual and the bat yeah. and the person had a good time who you are we what? to complain that we've exactly. been locked down and lost our <laughs> lost our careers and her relatives and yeah it's, you know yeah. it's fine yeah so you're from Christchurch right Christchurch, New Zealand. Yeah. Yes, man. How did you? How have you? How did you feel about? Because that went through. That's been through some heavy shit. Over, oh yeah. Over the last Christchurch few years. has taken an absolute kicking, mate. Uh, mm. I don't know what Christchurch did to piss Mother Nature off, but yeah. um, it's uh, it's happened. Um, yeah. The the first earthquake, uh, you know, was pretty upsetting, and then I lost uh, sort of. Uh, in the second one, there was a couple of people that I knew who died. Oh, shit, uh, 
but not like, you know, not close friends. There was a guy mm. I did uh, performing uh, performing arts course with for a couple of years. Um, you know, all, you know. So that was, and I got overwhelmed with this feeling of I wanted to be there. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, why? I'm not there. I want to be there, but I don't know what I could have brought to the table. Um, wow. Which you know. I think in disaster situations, they don't want someone making witty observations about how bricks are falling. You know? oh, yeah, the ch- um, no, that's where the church used to be. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah but um, it was. I, I did go down and do shows in Christchurch after the second earthquake. That pretty much wiped out heaps of stuff. Yeah, and that was pretty emotional. Um, and I don't know if you've ever had this with gigs where you make the gig in your head so fucking important. Mm, like, yes. this really, really means something. When, in actual fact, it it doesn't. Um, mm. You know, it people are coming out to have a laugh, but I'd built it in my head of... Um, you, bringing everyone together and... Bringing everyone together. It's, you know, it's, uh, I can't believe I'm back here. I'm finally back here. This is huge for me. Um and when you've got all that shit in your way, it's very hard to be relaxed about doing comedy. Mm. Um, uh, actually, a comedian said years ago to me something, uh, I'm trying to think who it was, Alan Cochran said, uh, play the gig, not the occasion. Uh. And and that if you can think about that, it can cut a lot of that pressure shit out of your head. Yeah. You know? Because obviously, the better you get at comedy, the more chances you get at these high yeah. intensity gigs. <laughs> and if you can't, if you can't, sort of get that pressure out of your head and just enjoy the gig, then you're not going to do well. No, I, just, um, I, I love I love New Zealand so much. Oh, it's you're, great. Yeah, and having having we we did I did gigs in uh, Kaikoura. Yes. Yeah, and we did. We've had Burn. Ed Bernard, he uh, he proposed to his uh, wife. He's now wife in Kaikoura, and then when all the shit went down, and they they had they kind of got cut off from everybody, didn't they, with the earthquake? Yeah. And so Ed did some. We went out and did some gigs for him. To, uh, did a gig for him just to go look nice one. Hope you're cool. Come and come and have a laugh with us. And everyone was so welcoming. It was really cool. And people yeah, had yeah. lost shit and. You know, they'd been cut off from the rest of the world because there's this one main road that goes in and out, and that was the one that's blocked. And that was on. That's right. They were absolutely cut off, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And Ed Burns had a long history with New Zealand. He was. Uh, he has. Yeah. I remember watching him uh, on a New Zealand TV show back in about 1998. I just started doing comedy. Oh really? And he was doing his "Isn't It Ironic" material. Yes. Oh um, yeah, 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 yeah. And oh mate. Every time that song came on, I would just start trying to do Ed Burns' uh, routine about it. <laughs> but um, yeah, that, I guess that and and that gig must have felt quite magic, you know, because um, yeah, there would have been excitement. Um, I did uh, shows in Australia in Newcastle in two thousand and seven um, as part of their Melbourne Comedy Festival Roadshow. Oh yeah, and we got to Newcastle and these. Massive storms had hit, and Newcastle got flooded, and roads wiped out. People people died. Uh, we were meant to be doing four shows in the theatre there, but um, 
it got completely flooded. So and we were stuck in Newcastle. We were stuck in this hotel that had an underground car park, and the underground car park filled with water. Oh shit! I've got yeah, right up to the mm. right up to the entrance. Uh, I've got some amazing photos of just. Do you know what I mean? Like a ramp yeah, down yeah, into yeah. a car park, and it looks like a swimming pool. Oh my god! And they uh, they eventually they were able to open the show the theater up so we could do one show, and they announced that anyone who had tickets to any of the nights, if you can make it in, you can you know mm. come to the show. And Brilliant. we all decided to walk from the hotel to the theater through uh, sort of. By that point, it was that the flooding was only about knee high, uh, and the whole agreement was we would do the walk, and in our the clothes that we were going to wear on stage. So we were all going on mm. stage, you know, wet from the knees down, sort of thing. <laughs> um, and they had a floating pontoon bridge across the road, so that people could go across the road to use the toilet facilities in another uh, council building. And two people arrived on jet skis, and it was wow. an incredible show. And what I liked about it was, comedically, all of us agreed we could all do one joke each about the flooding. Yeah, and that was it, because because people had died, people had lost their houses. Mm. We were like, we want to acknowledge it, but we don't want to do, we don't want someone going on there trying to do twenty minutes on it. No, to you know, show how brilliant they are at you know topical shit yeah, um, yeah and so it was a fantastic show and then i ended up meeting there was a girl who used to work at manchester comedy store who was at that show oh, uh, wow. in newcastle yeah so uh so that was that was weird you know yeah um, but it was a great it was show and and it was that feel-good vibe like everyone was excited to be there excited that it was happening and we were as well well, it really but, takes it takes the edge off, doesn't it? Like because we worry. I don't know about you, uh, gigs. I just I don't I don't worry. I don't I don't get nervous because I'm about to go on stage. I just want the gig to go well. I don't you know because every now and again you get a shit night at the office and you just you you know you tank <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. And that's what I worry about. I don't because you, you get to a point and not being big headed, you go. I've been doing it long enough. I know I can do it. Yeah. But it's just going to be the night where they go, nah, not feeling this. Because there's a weird way that audiences, as one, who don't even know each other, can go, yeah. like, they become like the, the, the Borg. They all become like one consciousness <laughs> and they go, nah, not, it's not your night tonight, fuck. Yeah, so, yeah. And, and it, it absolutely yeah. bites you in the ass. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But those gigs, when you've had to go through some shit to get there, there's some, something's gone on and, and, it, it, I mean, and you, you're it kind of relaxes you you know what i mean and it i've had i've had my best gigs have been when it's been under some kind of there's been some kind of outside pressure and we've got through it and and we're all like wow at least we got through it now we're here and it because you're you're more worried about how you got there and what was going on outside of the gig rather than the gig itself yeah yeah i guess i I guess that's uh doing those gigs for um you know the cse military gigs yes um i never got i never went out to afghanistan but Certainly when I did shows down in the Falklands and stuff like that, you know, just the sheer effort to get down yeah. there. And, and all of them couldn't believe that you'd even bothered to come to the Falkland yeah. Islands. Um, which, by the way, uh, I, when I was getting ready to go to the Falkland Islands, I, they sent an email saying the weather can be quite unpredictable down there. So I googled Falklands weather and it came up like negative five degrees. 
I was like, oh, man. What? So I, inve I invested in three sets of thermal clothing. And I'm on the flight down there. I'm in, th I'm in my thermals. And we mm. land at Cape Verde um, to refuel. And it's like 40 degrees there. And oh, we're, waiting, we're waiting for four hours there. And I just thought, I'm not taking these thermals off <laughs> because I'm going to need them when I get down to the Falkland <laughs> Islands. So I'm just in this Cape Verde <laughs> sweating like crazy. <laughs> then get to the Falkland Islands and it's like 25 degrees. Oh, so what? what is going on here? And then I realised there's a place called Falklands north of Scotland. <laughs> and <laughs> the... Uh, the 10 days I was in the Falkland Islands, the weather was beautiful. <laughs> and, and so, you were just dripping, sweating yeah. buckets. Because <laughs> I, I was determined to use my bloody thermals, wasn't I? <laughs> but I like that, that you still saw a positive, you still had a positive spin. And that oh, goes yeah, back totally. to what you, what you said before, you always managed, managed to keep it positive. Yeah, and there's always got to be, no matter the situation, I always think at the very least there's going to be an anecdote out of this. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, although, don't get me wrong, it, it, throughout my career, uh, thing, you know, I've done things where I've gone, Gee, I'd love this just to pay off instead of turning into an anecdote. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, um, because we've all, you know, I don't know, you get to a, you know, doing stand-up for 22 years, um, I had my, I had a few shots at TV and stuff mm. that, for various reasons, it didn't, nothing grabbed and i think that's a very common thing yes. for every for every rob beckett there's probably about 20 of us who have had the opportunities and through whatever reasons um and a lot of the time not of our doing no it just it doesn't grab do you know what i mean yeah um and it, you can really beat yourself up about that shit yeah you of course I mean? you take it so personally and it's oh, as you would yeah. as you would of course you would yeah, and you just what if what if the hell out of it, and um, you know because I did, uh, but I've got anecdotes about all of them. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so, and I, I quite enjoy telling the stories of of when uh, you know uh, when I did mock the week, and uh, I was on with uh, with Russell Howard, but he was near the end. Do you know what I mean? He was yes. It was, he only had about three episodes to go, and then he was going off to do Russell Howard's Good News. So he was desperate to get out of there, and I was desperate to get in. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I just found yeah. it hilarious. that, And me and Russell started out together, and we're mates, and I'm sitting next to him, and all he's talking about is, oh, I can't wait to get off this show. And I'm <laughs> sitting there going, <laughs> oh, my God, I really want to be on this show, you know? Um, and then... Uh, you know, just various things that I know. Mock the week's changed a lot now, but back when I did it, uh, you know, you had to show up at twelve in the afternoon, and I had to sit in my dressing room by myself for about three hours. Wow! And then the producer and the one of the writers came in, and I had to go through everything that I'd written for the show, just right. standing in the dressing room to them and having them go, yeah, mm, oh, oh, yeah. God. And then the writer's offering up his jokes that I know everyone else has turned down, and that's why they're getting offered to me. And uh, and then um, you know them saying there was one bit where uh, they said, "Oh, you don't need that many on. You don't need that many jokes on that subject. So hmm. just just focus on one or two of them." 
and then you, you're out there doing it and everyone's got 15, 15 <laughs> jokes on that subject, right? And I'm sitting there going, oh, it's told to only do one or two, you know? Um, I've, and, heard, I've heard it's brutal. I've heard it's brutal. Yeah. And afterwards, at the, in the green room, the producer came up and I was standing with my agent and uh, they said, how did you enjoy the show? And I said, yeah, it was great. And then I just didn't stop myself and said, uh, to be honest, I think you've created quite a negative atmosphere on the show and it's uh it's hard to as a first timer to come on here and, and climb over that as a men you know like you've mentally got to prepare yourself to push through that to mm. even get on and enjoy yourself and he said okay well good note thanks a lot and walks oh. off my agent my agent said well you're never getting on that show are you again <laughs> oh fuck and i was like well, i don't just, think you're I just will. being you're being honest you're just being honest yeah. should it, but also, go on also i knew I hadn't quite done well enough. Do you know mm. what I mean? Because you go on there and it's not good enough to just do good. No. Right? You have to set it ablaze. And I think I'd held my own and I'd done well. But unless something else in my career took off that they wanted wanted me on there, I, yeah. that alone wasn't going to do it. Right. I've heard so many stories of that. You have to... Because you've got the people that are on there, all the regulars... And then you're, you're, you know, so they've got, they've kind of, they've kind of made their mark and, you know, you're kind of, you're the guest and it's, and, it, and you have to really break through. You have to really, really, it's like quite cutthroat from what I've heard. And I, I just don't think I've got it in me to be that. I just want to have a good time. I want to do these things and have a good time. I don't want yeah. it to be a, a battle of, you know, of egos. I just want to just go, like, this is really cool. It really, likewise with this. They're like, no, 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 I'm better than you. I'm a bigger star than you. And they're like, oh, fucking <laughs> hell. Chill out, man. Yeah, I, I, from what I hear, it's not like that anymore. Yeah, um, I've heard that as well, yeah. But, but in its early days, I think they wanted that cutthroatness of it. And right. it, I don't think you would have got standout performances. Well, maybe you would. I don't know. That's a psychology podcast, isn't it? But yeah. um, <laughs> I, I don't think you would have got, uh, you know, maybe that conflict was what uh, Frankie Boyle was able to rise above and... Mm. You know, like him and Russell both skyrocketed from it. Maybe, maybe it was that that combativeness and that Jesus, I have to, I have to be so much better than everybody else here. Yeah. Um, that that drove it. I don't know. I don't know. But it's, exhaust, but it's exhausting, isn't it? I mean, you must have felt right. You know, these things. You, you, rather than being elated that you were on it, like you've come away going, "Fuck me," you know. That it, yeah, yeah. It feels more like a no disrespect to these television shows, but you come away. You shouldn't come away from it feeling deflated. You should feel ecstatic no. that you were on it, and that's and, it's and also it was that was the first one I did, and it was a huge learning curve, man. I, you know, mm. I'd watched the show and I'd spoken to Russell about his experiences on it, but you know, when you get called in the week before the show. And they tell you what material you're going to do. Mm. You know, that was where I was sitting in the office and they're going through because they'd sent people out to see me doing stand up over the last over the last couple of weeks, and that all made notes of my stuff. And you're suddenly like, well, why wasn't I told that you were there? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then it's like you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this, and you just realize it was in that moment that I realized, oh my god, this is, yeah. They sanitise everything, don't they? Because yeah. they they have to try and make it bulletproof. Yes. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. But also, part of me, you know, looking back on it, is like, fucking go on there as a loose cannon, man. Yeah, you well, know, like you did on Buzzcocks. Get some magic happening. On yeah. Buzzcocks. You end up running around on the desk. 
Yeah, that's true. But <laughs> but that show encouraged that. That was the difference, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I got Buzzcocks, uh, I kept saying to my agent at the time, I kept saying, when are they sending the prep, uh, the prep material through? When are they doing this? When are they doing this? And eventually one of the producers called me and said, we're not that type of show. Get here, hang out with your team, have some dinner, and then just have some fun. Brilliant. And that... And that was what was great about that show. Yeah, that's how it should be. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, that man. type of show, yeah. Mock the week, though. You can't, you know, if you you need the jokes to land. So if people oh, are going yeah, on there yeah, with, yeah. if you're going on there with no prep, you're absolutely fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine going on somewhere. It's a bit of a topical show. And you go, yeah. ah, I'll just, ah, just wing it. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Ah, just oh, look, turn up. I, ah. I reckon there's people who could do it and get away with it maybe once. But I doubt, I doubt you could just rock up and do it on a regular basis. I mean, I do, I used to do when live gigs happened, uh, the cutting edge um, at the comedy store. Oh yeah. And I realised my strength there was reacting. So as long as I knew all the all the stories, right? Mm. If I if I read the papers, so I knew all the big stories. The joke writers could do their thing, and I could react. Yeah. And go off on my stupid weird tangents do you know what i mean so yeah but it's it's all a learning thing but i do in the darker and darker times you know uh i i think back on all those little appearances on uh panel shows going fucking why didn't that why didn't that catch on why didn't that Mm. work it why did i do that you know but then you got the thing is when i started in comedy you're you you don't I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just wanted to do gigs. Exactly. And then, yeah. So any so any little achievements, I kinda of go, fucking hell, I didn't feel I'd get that far. <laughs> like, you know, you're doing the well doing this podcast, doing you did the we were talking about this last night, we were listening to uh Robin Williams talking to Frank Skinner. And he was saying that the the picture of Robin Williams is still on the wall. As you go into the comedy store, yeah, it's still there. And we all sort of doff our caps and we like we touch the picture as we go in, like of Robin. We're like, yeah, man. And it and seeing my name on the outside of the comedy store oh. is just and I I don't give a shit. Every time I'm there, I take a photo because I can't believe my name's on that. Some people have watched me to go, I can't believe your name was on there either. But. <laughs> <laughs> but what an achievement. And so you being on these shows, you go, yeah, it didn't catch on, I didn't do this. But you fucking got that far, man. Yeah, sure, and I get that. that's incredible, you know. I get that. And what I find really funny, though, is, you know, when you're doing these, when you're doing gigs that aren't the the clubs, the circuits, you know, you're doing a, a gig, someone a monthly gig, someone set up somewhere, and they you're you're the main act and they they really push your TV credits mm. and you know when they put like mock the week on there I'm like oh for fuck's sake man that was 2010 <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah but look at America you have to list every single thing yeah, that yeah exactly been on. exactly yeah. I remember so I've started it, yeah. I've started doing it with Edinburgh you know because everyone puts star of mock the week star of blah 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 and you're like you all not everyone can be the star of it right <laughs> and um. And also, you know, if you are the star of it, you're probably not having to put star of on no. there. <laughs> so I started doing a thing of um, of listing loads of TV shows and just putting a tick beside the ones I've done and crosses by the ones I haven't and putting things like, uh, you know, like Crime Watch or, uh, <laughs> you know, any... Yeah. <laughs> any ra- you know eastenders or something like that just random shit on there just to try and I've, i don't know i've just got this whole thing of 
and I don't know if this is what's ruined me a few times. I, I just want to undermine the pomp and ceremony of it. Yes. Yeah. Well, you want, you're looking for the funny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And and show it. Uh, I, when I first started doing comedy, I was doing improv comedy, like theatre sports sort of stuff back in Christchurch with a group called the Court Jesters. And mm. I started working with them when I was 16 years old. And um, and before that, they'd been teaching... So theatre sports was in schools. It was an after-school option. Okay. Um, professional uh, improvisers from the Court Jesters would come to each school and you would have each week an hour sort of workshop with them. And then you would... Uh, they would organise this big sort of competition where you'd play different schools and you'd go through rounds and then win and you'd go into the semi-finals and then the all that sort of business and the semi-finals were held at the the court theater in Christchurch and then the finals you know and it was a big thing and if you got through the semi-finals you could get t- picked for an all-star team and so from about the age of 13 I was doing that yeah right Bloody and hell. W- what was drummed into me from them was when you're on stage you should be projecting a feeling of happy but humble. I'm right. bloody excited to be here, but I'm not going to be a dick about it, right? <laughs> yeah. And if you get anybody on stage with you, you make them the star, right? Yes, yes. Um, and also any... And then when I started transitioning into stand-up from that, I took that with me and very quickly learnt my way of doing comedy. I much prefer that I am the butt of the joke rather than someone else, yes. right? To the point that I write material giving other people in my stories the funnier, funniest lines. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think it's arrogant. To I feel arrogant if I stand up there going, oh, this is something really funny I said at a gig. Oh, yeah, and that came back you with a I mean? zinger. Yes. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah. oh, all right, we, you've got, we know you're confident because you're on stage in front of us all, Yeah. right? And, you know, don't get me wrong, like, these comics, that's their thing and they're bloody brilliant at it. But I've never felt comfortable with uh, with that sort of style, no. you know, of putting the joke on other people and you always winning, right? Yeah, yeah, I've always yeah. felt, for me, it's funnier that I'm losing, all the time. <laughs> but it's not funny when that transitions into my fucking life. <laughs> <laughs> I had it at Comedia in Brighton. I did it. I did. I can't remember what I was talking about. And the whole room went, oh. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. And I went and I sat on a chair and I went, listen, you, I, listen, this is, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm taking the piss, right? I can't, this is, I, yeah, of course, I can't walk out here and go, actually, I'm an absolutely, I'm a fucking legend in, in bed. <laughs> I've got a massive penis. I can't, that's not funny. I'm not going to no. walk out here and do that. And I'm doing, now I'm breaking all this down while I'm talking to them. And it just, I, I had such a laugh doing that. Yeah, of course like, it is. And going, and, yeah, you know, it's funny. And you wear skinny jeans so they can tell that you're lying because <laughs> you are massive. <laughs> uh-huh. I don't wear skinny anymore. I can't be doing nah. that, man. It looks like I've, yeah. <laughs> it's like <about> a hernia. <laughs> oh mate, I the stretchy jeans though have changed my life. Oh dude, women's oh. jeans. I don't want to be sexist, but women's jeans are the bomb. They're the way forward. Mate, stretchy jeans. Woohoo! Game changer for me. Like yes. I can now I can now sort of 
bend down and squat down without fear of my ass crack popping out. <laughs> I can I can go upstairs without having the awkward fucking thigh trap in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, isn't Absolute it amazing? Stretchy jeans, man. Stretchy uh, jeans. That's what anyone, people are tuning in for, mate. That's what they need. This is <laughs> this is what we do with this podcast. We're changing lives. And there is a difference between stretchy jeans and elasticated waist. We're oh, not absolutely. Talking, we're not no. talking elasticated waist. We're talking, no. we're talking about the actual material that they're made from. Get your yeah. stretchy jeans on. Yeah, it gives what, you, it, no. it gives you give, doesn't it? It allows <laughs> you. It's the jeans, but it's like wearing, um, I don't know, tracksuit pants or something. Uh, yeah. It's good. Levi's it's has got a good. Great. Levi's has got a good stretchy jean. Oh man. Oh uh, yeah, um, yeah, I had them on yesterday. Yeah. Love a stretchy jean. What I love, <laughs> what I love about you as well, as as much as I love you, is you have a beautiful family around you as well, very supportive. I do. I do. And that's so important, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. And what, uh, I, I don't want to sound cheesy or sort of cliche or whatever, but uh, the what the lockdown has taught me was just how much I was away. Yes, um, same. Yeah, same. You know, because I used to, you know, I would be gigging five, six nights a week constantly mm. um, because I wanted to, because I felt I needed to. Financially, I needed to. Um, but also, I felt I needed to be doing it. Um, yeah. You know, on the road constantly. And so I just I didn't realise until these last four months just how much I was missing out on at home. Yeah. Um, so, you know, my wife and two daughters every Friday would be Friday night movie night with homemade pizza. Oh. And I'd be, you know, in the afternoon getting in the car, getting ready to fucking drive for four hours. Mm. And they'd all be talking about the movie they're going to watch and stuff like that. And I'd have to just shut myself off because if I started, if I started thinking, oh, my God, that sounds like so much fun. Yeah, <laughs> part of me yeah. were like, just, just fuck the gig off, mate. Um, <laughs> and I can't do that. I couldn't do that. I could never do it because, uh, again, it was a just a thing drummed into me. I don't know if it was my own doing, but uh, you know, there's that whole right place at the right time. But there's also you've got to put yourself in the right place at the right time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you know, my feeling was, I my feeling about it is. You know, if you're booked for a gig in Portsmouth um, on a on a Friday night um, and it's going to take you ages to get there because of traffic and stuff like that, that none of that matters because, one, you're representing yourself because of the booking, right? Mm. If you pull out of it for whatever reason, you, you're letting a shit ton of people down and that reflects on you. Yeah. But also when you get there and when you're on today, you're always representing yourself. And I never... It goes back to what you were saying about just being excited about being there, you know, mm. I always felt, uh, you know, I didn't want anybody walking away going, geez, he was average. Yeah. Um, you know, that was my, that, and I hated sometimes after gigs thinking I was the most average person on that lineup, right? Mm. And whether that, whether I was or whether that's just in my head because I was working with comics who I, hugely respect and thought were amazing um mm. that getting in my car going oh man you were the most average tonight <laughs> um you know and then having to 
put on an audio book or a podcast or music to try and stop that train of thinking. Yeah, yeah. Because it's so easy to beat the shit out of yourself in this game, man. Oh, You've every just time, given every time. so many opportunities to yeah. bloody take a swipe. And <laughs> uh, my, mood's, my mood has been swinging like a drunk bloke in a fish and chip shop. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I've been swinging from, this is amazing, you, you got to teach your youngest daughter how to ride a bike, and then next thing is like, you're going to be shit when you get back on stage. <laughs> you know, you're yeah, yeah, just yeah. up and down, up and down. And I think, uh, I don't know, it just, this, um, and I guess all performance aspects, really, it just gives you a little bit too much time for self-reflection. I don't know if we've got a carpenter working at our house at the moment and he's one of the happiest blokes I've ever met in my fucking life. <laughs> yeah, uh, he, doesn't walk, he doesn't drive home going, oh, man, why'd you put the wood in dovetail that? join. Yeah, fuck. Oh, I think other people are doing a better dovetail join than me. <laughs> um, you, the thing I really like about him is uh, he's so competent. Do you know what I mean? And mm, there's yeah. there's an attraction and competence, and um, I don't. Other than comedy, I don't feel competent at anything else, right? <laughs> and yeah. you know, he'll just come. He'll bloody do the job, and he does a really good job. He's happy while he's doing it. He's bloody singing, even though he can't. And <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's just yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I love it. I absolutely love it, <laughs> and I'm jealous of it because. I like that's not that's not that's not me. It might have been me if I went down a different route when I was eighteen years old. I might have had something, but uh, I guess with comedy, there's no hard and fast. You can't. At the end of the day, you can't go fucking look at that. I've I've built that and I've achieved that. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's yeah, ephemeral. Yeah, yeah. Is it ephemeral? Ethereal. Yeah. Ethereal. Ethereal. Yeah. As in, you can rip a room to pieces again in Portsmouth, but then. There's nothing you know? to show for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although saying that, people, you, what 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 you've done is that you've built happiness in people, and people sure. are even going, "What? Well, that was fucking great. I enjoyed yeah. that." You know, yeah. that, and it might not be long lasting. That's why people go again, isn't it, to get that buzz? You yeah, know, I guess go, so. Yeah, oh, we, had, we had a good time last time. Let's go back and see if we can have another good time. And it's that's and that's what we provide. Yeah, um, and we, um, but, but I've never, but, I've never built a house from comedy. I've bought a house from comedy, <laughs> but I've never, never built a house. <laughs> it would be nice, wouldn't it, to go look at that? Just something to look at every day yeah. and go, yeah, that was from all those laughs. Yeah, that, that extra, well, yeah, yeah. Mind you, I think, well, I think that's a, a mental health thing, right? Is yes. Um, and oh god, I wish I could remember his name. The Canadian astronaut who went up was on the International Space Station. Oh, Chris, Chris Hadfield. Hadfield, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So his book's great. And he talks about uh, a thing called Little Victories, where he says once you've done something monumental, like going to outer space, <laughs> how do you live your life after that? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Your whole life leading up to that point is to get to that point, to get to outer space. Suddenly you've done it, you've achieved that, and then you come back and you're like, fuck, what do, mm. I, do? What do I do now? I haven't got that <laughs> thing. Um, and he said he talked about going away to his uh, holiday home on a lake and him and his next-door neighbour rebuilt a jetty out into the lake uh, oh, wow. that both of them were using. And he said it took him all summer, him and, this, him and his neighbour, who he didn't really know, but they just got together and they 
they built this thing and he said at the end when I built this jetty the sense of achievement was way higher than what I had wow going to outer space because it was it was a uh, you know it was tangible it was right there and he talks about filling your life with little victories yeah. to make yourself feel good and I get it when I do when I do something in my garden like I mow the lawn and I fucking cut down the shit that I'm meant to do and I've been meaning to do for ages. At the end of the day, I'm like, I did that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and it's, it just gives you a little buzz. Well, yeah, exactly. And you don't realise how much that stuff is preying on your subconscious. Yeah. You know, you're, you, you, you don't even realise until you, until you tidy up or you do the garden. You kind of go, oh, fuck, yeah, that was really bothering yeah. me. And it's I so no easy idea. with... I don't know if you did this, but when I was gigging heaps... I would be like, I can't do anything today because I've got to do a gig tonight. Oh, yeah. You know, like an absolute prick. I'd be like, yeah. I'm not going to mow the mow the lawns and, and cut back that thorny bush today. I've got to do a show in Reading. Yeah. Um, and I guess I was lockdown, the same, I was the same, yeah. I guess this whole lockdown thing has just changed my perspective a bit. Um, and... Uh, which you know, of course, it has for a lot of people, mm. um, and I, I don't. I honestly don't know how comedy is going to repair itself after this. I think it's going to take a long time. Yeah, um, well, a lot of rebuilding. That's what we got to do. There's, there was this weird time where everybody was like, everyone thought, oh, yeah, well, you know, as soon as we're allowed back out, then the clubs will open, and then we'll be back back on it." And you go, "Yeah, but clubs. A lot of clubs have gone. A lot of people have lost their jobs, so they can't afford to go to comedy." You know, there's, we're having to start from scratch almost, it feels. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, hopefully hopefully in the rebuild, the, you know, things can get addressed that have needed to be addressed for a long time. Yeah, definitely. But I just, I just hope it all fucking comes back because there's nothing yeah. better than, you know, a bloody room above a pub, 120 people fucking crammed in there, yeah. sweating and spitting on each other. <laughs> oh, do you remember those days, mate? Oh, dude, mate, your oh. gig, your gig in, uh, in uh, oh, shit, Road. Yes. Dude, yeah. that is one of the highlights of my career. Oh. I'm not just saying that because you're on here. It's one of those <laughs> halfway through, I remember, what would you say? He says it all the time. About this gig. <laughs> yeah. Shut up. Um Oh, about his gig. Sorry, I thought you were saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was because it, it was one of those halfway through. I had to stop because yeah, I it, was, it was fucking <laughs> mental. Everyone was giddy. It, yeah, it, yeah. And you, you rarely, you rarely touch on that level. Like you have good gigs, but when you have to lean on the back wall and go, I, I need a minute. Oh, this is yeah. too good. And, and also yeah. at times where you're going. I don't know if we can keep this up, guys. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'll be pleased to know that people still talk about you. Yeah. Um, but I I don't know what it is about that room, but it's just since day one of do, running a show in there, it's just been uh, beautiful, right? Mm. And yeah. uh, there have been tough nights. Of course they have. And, you know, when you're hosting a show month in, month out, yeah. There are just nights where you're like, I have got nothing, right? <laughs> I haven't got yeah. any new material to try. I've gone, I've done back catalogue last month. So, you know, um, and so there were just tough times, but it was never a negative experience. And that, no. so I, film, I filmed my special there. Um, 
thankfully, in January. Holy shit. Oh, well done, Because, um, and again, this is me trying to, you know, just pull the rug sort of thing. I I thought it would be really funny to do a special. Everyone wants to do a special in a theatre and a, you know, whatever. And I just thought, I'm going to call mine Jared Christmas Live from a Village Pub. Brilliant. And, you know, not hide the, you know, in the intro to it is a montage of me setting the gig up putting the chairs out, putting the speakers up. You know, at the end, I drive yeah. away on a tractor. It just, because <laughs> I didn't want, I, I don't know, I, I, maybe I'm averse to pomp and ceremony. Even I though think, pomp, I, I love pomp and ceremony, don't get me wrong, but for yeah. me, I don't know. I, don't I think know. I like those. Those the, 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 the specials that stand out for me are the unusual ones. So, you know, you doing that is, I feel that's more interesting than just in some glossy, shiny theatre, no disrespect to that, but when you're filming these things, like, you know, you've got, Jade's giving me daggers now, yes, I know, your Amazon <laughs> Prime special filmed at the Bloomsbury Theatre was spectacular. Yes. And I'm not knocking that. It was really that. good. Jared just said it's really good. <laughs> Thanks, Jared. <laughs> but, but I did see, I did see yeah. Jade's show in Edinburgh. Yes, you did, and yeah. I loved the intimacy of that room. Yeah. And I'm not saying that that show you know that venue in edinburgh is better than the bloomsbury theater of course it isn't it was a fucking shipping container um but the intimacy it's i I guess it's hard to keep the intimacy the bigger the room you you go to of course yeah 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 Yeah. but bloomsbury theater i've got a real soft spot for that place um because when i first moved over here back in 2000 i came over to do an international improv uh festival yeah. which was held at Bloomsbury Theatre. So I landed on November the 17th, uh, 2000, 6 a.m. in the morning. My wow. dad's cousins picked me up, who I'd never met in my life. Um, so I had no idea what they looked like. They had no idea what <laughs> I looked like. It was literally arranged with a phone call. My dad uh, was like, oh, I've got a cousin in London. Um, phoned them up and said, yeah, g'day, mate. Uh we haven't spoken in about 20 years. Uh, <laughs> my son's coming over. And they were like, yep, he can come and stay. Amazing. So uh, 6 o'clock in the morning I arrived. They picked me up. Um, and then that night I was performing at Bloomsbury Theatre. Wow. Wow. And the first person, other than my cousins that I'd met that day, was I arrived at Bloomsbury Theatre about 4 in the afternoon. And you know the classic when you rock up to a venue you don't know. You go straight up to the reception desk. And you go, hi, I'm on the show tonight. Can you tell me where to go? Yeah. You know, that sort of thing. So that person that I went up to and said, hi, I'm on the show tonight. Uh, and this is the first person I've met in London. And it's the first time I've been out of New Zealand. Uh, was a girl I went to school with um, in, at a place called Shirley <laughs> Intermediate. Uh, yeah. A, a girl called Angela, Angela Randall, who uh, literally... Had not seen her since I was twelve, and then <laughs> and that's the first I, person you speak to. First person in London, <laughs> unbelievable. Um, I did. I remember doing stand up New York, and I oh, was only good. I was only doing the yes, yeah, a great room. Good. And room. There, and everyone's you know I was nervous and oh, I didn't know anyone, but everyone was cool. Everyone was chatting, and but I, I hadn't been going very long. I'd been going a couple of years, so I'm like, oh fuck, fuck, fuck. And I walk out. The entire front row are the staff of. Uh, uh, just a tonic Nottingham. What? 
<laughs> not Nottingham, not Nottingham, Leicester. It was Leicester. Leicester? Was really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole, it was like four of them from Just a Tonic Leicester in the front row of Stand Up New York in New York City. And I walked oh out and I went, what the fuck? What is this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Funny. it's mad, isn't it? When, you, when you're bumping yeah. the people out of... Yeah. Um, oh, you know, I never played Stand Up New York. I was booked in to play it. And uh, this was in 2001. Yeah. Early to early two thousand one, wow. uh, pre September, um, <laughs> and uh, so I was booked into play it, and I went in with my friend, and uh, you know, sort of checked checked in with the manager, and the manager was like, "Oh, I've been trying to get in contact with you. I haven't. I don't have a contact number for you." And I was like, "Oh, okay." And he said, uh, "We're going to have to bump you from the show tonight because Ray Romano is coming on." Oh wow! wow. And uh, he said, "But you know, stick around." Uh, watch the show. We'll we'll give you a couple of drinks on the house. We're really sorry. Uh, can you come down next week? And I was like, No, I'm only here for a week. Mm. But um, but I got to see Ray Romano trying shit out way back in no. 2001. It was pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I remember doing the comedy store and walk, I was doing the open spot of the Late Show, and I walk in and Chris Rock is on doing <laughs> his thing, and I was like, That's fucking. That's Chris Rock. Was that, was that when Greg Davis was hosting? I think it was, and he died. Yes, Not he great. died. He, Chris Rock died. Was Chris died. Rock died. People were and leaving. And he did way too long, didn't he? Yeah, hours. Yeah, I was there, mate. I was there. <laughs> yeah, that's then, right. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. That but then it. he came back for the Late Show and was incredible. Yes. That was it. Yeah. Yeah, smashed. wow. Fucking What smashed. a lineup to be on, yeah. mate. Isn't that mad that we, like, we, we will drive away from gigs, like we said earlier, and we're going, oh, fuck, I said that line wrong. Oh, that should, oh, that should have been better. Ah, oh, fuck. Ah, oh, shit, I was average. And then you go, oh, yeah, I was on with uh, Chris Rock the other night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's mad. And I, 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 I didn't, when all this shit went down with the virus and everything, I was strangely zen about it all. I was like, oh, well, is this, you know, this is what's happening. It's no one's fault, really. We're all in this together and all that. And, and I felt pretty cool. But then as it's gone on and I start talking to like, like friends like you and everyone else, I'm like, ah, oh, no, actually, do you know what? I do miss it. I do miss yeah. it. And, yeah. I, and it's not even about the attention. It's just about the doing. I had a purpose, man. I had, yeah. Stop shaking your head. It's not about the, it's not about the attention, Jay. <laughs> I'm not bipolar. I do miss it. I don't miss it. I do miss it. Do miss it. <laughs> and you've got something else to do. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to do it. Anyway. <laughs> all right. Sorry, Jared. Do you know what I don't miss? Getting heckled. You never need to apologise, mate. <laughs> you said you don't need to apologise. She does. She's a terrible human being. <laughs> <laughs> but I do miss it, and I do miss that. I miss having a purpose. That, yes. like you said earlier, yeah. that in, you know, the, a place to go. Something I had, I had, I had, yeah. a, I had somewhere to be. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We're looking for a sponsor to help get this brilliant conversation to an even bigger audience. Sponsoring the show, as well as a promotional trailer, means that your message and our message will be inserted into some of Acast's biggest podcast titles. Get on board and partner with Insane in the Membrane. Go to pauldaniels.tv for more information. I'll tell you what uh, has hit me hard, Um, and it's such an old-fashioned thing. Um, and I never thought it would be this, but not being able to provide for my family is yeah, man, has been cutting me hard. Sure, I've, 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 uh, you know, the gov- the government payout sort of thing is, uh, you know, I've got that, uh, but you know that's going to run out, and mm. the fact that I can't, um, you know, I've done online gigs, but we all know they pay nowhere near as much as what yeah. they used to. And, you know, I can't see myself going out and earning what I used to, not for a while. No. Um, and also, I, yeah, and so that that's weighing heavily yeah, on me. Yeah, same. Um, and, uh, you know, just thinking, what am I going to – I'm going to have to stop being a fucking namby-pamby about this and go and fucking get a job. Mm. Bloody yeah! And then I go, yeah, well, what can I do? And then I find myself googling tally sales and tally marketing jobs and going, oh, I don't want to do that shit again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, know. I know. I'd, rather, uh, I'd yeah. rather sell the house and you know put my children <laughs> on the poverty line than do tally sales again. <laughs> I think that's um, the same with everybody. Everyone, yeah. When it comes to tally sales, I'm the same though, dude. I. I, I, I do it, 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 just sitting there going, fuck, I have no money and there's mm. no money coming in no. and I can't, and I've looked, for, I have actually looked for jobs and you're like, I, there's nothing I can do. Yeah, and, and it's, it's, yeah. nothing, even if I can do it, I don't know if they'd really want me. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I, the other day I purposefully stood outside waiting for the, um, the, bin collectors because mm. uh, I thought I found myself thinking I think I could do that job and I think I could be all right at it yeah and I thought I just found my I, I was putting my recycling out and I heard them coming along and I thought I'm going to stand here and strike up a conversation with one of them and you know yeah. try and try and get some info and uh, so they so my opening gambit was to go thank you so much for what you're doing Right <laughs> to the, and the guy, yeah. yeah, and the guy was like, "All right," and he's sorting. You know, it's the recycling thing. So they, yeah, you know, he's standing there with my bin, throwing all the things in, and I was like, "Oh, what's your what's your favourite one to do? The is it the the cardboard or the or the mixed recycling?" And he was basically, oh he just said, "What?" I was like, "Yeah," I was like, has oh it has God. it has it been all right? Like going to, you know, I'm just trying to start a conversation, and he finished the bin. And he was like, "Really sorry, mate. We're on a tight schedule." 
Oh, wow. Like, oh, cool, cool. Have a good day, man. <laughs> and afterwards, I just stood there thinking, what? No, what a dickhead. He's going to be going, what the fuck was that guy on about? You're never going to get your rubbish taken away again. <laughs> <laughs> but can you imagine working with someone who's like that? Who's like us? Do you know what I mean? Sure. We like to think that we'd be funny and quipping and stuff. But, you know, at five o'clock in the morning... Yeah. You're probably not after that. You're just wanting someone to do the fucking job instead of going, well, these people have been drinking a lot tonight, you know? Yeah, you just want someone. Like you said, he's on a tight schedule. I see him here when when I get up and do my bins, and you see him, and they rush, rush, rush. And yeah, and I, I have total respect for people that do that job because, like, I don't think I could do it. I would be too like, ah, oh, that stinks. I'm not picking. That. What, <laughs> yeah. what the fuck is in that bag? I'm not touching that, man. <laughs> yeah, but they just get on with it. They get stuck yeah. in. Oh man, we're spoiled. That's what it is. Spoiled. Uh, we are spoiled a bit, but also equally. Um, you know, a lot of majority of people can't do what we do. Um, whether whether what we do is necessary, uh, that's blatantly up for debate by a lot mm. of people. We yeah. obviously think it's necessary, and comedy fans think it's necessary. Um, but you know, for all the dark thoughts I have about it, you know, I do have very strong feelings that no, 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 there is there is a minority on this planet who can do this job. Yes. A minority. Um, and then there's even more who think they can do it but cannot do it. Mm, yeah. 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 And it's funny, so, dude, people people do message and say, whenever we dick around online or, you know, I get messages because of the podcast and that, and they go, no, 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 we really like we like what you do. It, it, you know, mm. we've been at work all day. We're in the care, care community or the NHS or wherever. I want to come home and watch you dicking around in a hat. You know, I want yeah. that. <laughs> Yeah. Because it, cause then that, you go, oh, yeah, that is why I do this. Yeah. It's to, it's to take people out of it for a little while and go, yeah, look, yeah, I'm a fucking idiot. That's your next show, mate, dicking around in a hat. <laughs> Rich Wilson, dicking around in a hat. Dicking around in a hat. Um, uh, I, were you going to go up to Edinburgh this year? Yes, I'm gutted it's not on. Did you have a show? I had a show. Uh, it was called uh, Face Down, Noises Off. Ah, uh, nice. It was all about honesty. Yeah. And so, but see, this is what I like about you, mate. This is what I like about you, is um, you've gone very, very honest with your comedy, um, which I think is great. And that's Thanks, why, dude. that's why you can fucking tear a room apart, like the gig across the road from my house, um, because people, you're telling, you know, people can respond to that shit. Yeah. And um, you know. Jokes are great, but they're even better if there's that if there's that fucking you know, just it, it this is a real thing. The yeah. story doesn't have to be true, but the uh, the feeling that you've gone that it's being channeled from a truth, if you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, absolutely. We all, yeah. We all tell stories and embellish them and whatever, but if there's that grain of truth in it, um, I think it just Fucking elevates yeah. everything. I just, well, I just feel I can't tell a story unless it comes from a place of truth. I mean, like, of course, like you say, you amplify certain bits, and you, you know, it might be a story built from a few stories. Yeah. But it, but that's what I'm saying. All the elements are true. I mean, I'm, I'm just reading um, Doug Stanhope's book, Digging Up Mother, and oh, he yeah. was, he was like, he was saying, oh, you know, he was, he was in this competition with Dane Cook. And Dane is, oh, we're going out drinking. And Dane's like, no, 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 I've got to go back. I've got to do some writing. And he's like, oh, you, 
you do your writing, your stories come from going out and sitting in yeah. bars and talking to the weirdos at night. And, and that's, what I, that's the comedy I like. Is yeah, that, yeah. That, yeah, from yeah. a place of realness. Yeah. But, you know, in saying that, there, there is absolutely a market and a place for uh, comedy that doesn't come from that, right? Oh, gotcha. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, but, you know, because, you know, Dane Cook's a classic example. Um, although I don't really know what he's doing now. All, nah. I, all I used to know about him was he, he was meant to have the most amazing website out of any comedian going. <laughs> and I remember going <laughs> onto his website and it was all bells and whistles. And I do remember thinking when uh, about two years ago when I was looking at updating my website, which I have not done, um, <laughs> thinking, I wonder what Dane Cook's website's like now that, you know, because people don't give a shit about websites really now anymore, do they? Not really, no. Um, and I remember hearing he employed someone 24-7 to be updating and constantly doing wow. things on his website. And, uh, yeah. Anyway, wow. that's all I've got on Dan Cook. But, that, but that's what it takes. I, I talk to, like, Jade is on her phone constantly all the time to the point I'm like, Will you, can you get off your phone for a minute? And she's yeah. like, look, I'm selling tickets. I'm selling. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to get, I'm keeping people interested in what I'm doing. Like, mm. Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, and that is the pressure, isn't it? Um, that is the pressure of these new comics like Jade. Um, <laughs> you know, is uh. they, but it is that constant feeding the beast, isn't it? Yeah. Do you remember and, when all you had to do was be funny? You just had yeah. to be funny. That was yeah. it. That was your yeah. one job. And now yeah, you have I mean, to be I, a, you know. My social media output is not great. I barely um, see you. <laughs> I'm there. I read a lot. I don't, I take in a lot, but I don't uh, I don't post it. I find that it makes me unhappy. Yes. Um, and that's why I don't do it. I'll do it to promote things. I'll do it to support uh, other comics and causes. Do you know what I mean? Like retweeting yeah, and all that yeah, yeah. sort of shit. Not that I don't know if it, it does anything. Um, but the thought of thinking about a joke and then putting it out on Twitter and it gets one like and then disappears <laughs> is like, oh, that, that hurts. That hurts. I spent, yeah. a good, I spent a good seven minutes formulating that bloody thing. Um, I, so, uh, yeah, I, I, there's, I do. I go, this is going to kill. And it yeah. never does. Never really does. <laughs> Or yeah, but some, you've had you know. you've had a few things like when you sent out that uh, tweet that flare into the darkness in Edinburgh last year, you know that really oh, turned yeah, things yeah. around a bit for you. Oh, and again, man, that yeah. was just that was you just being honest. Yeah. But then, then what followed on from that was other people going, "Well, I'm going to do that." And you're like, "Ah, <laughs> no, you got to be the first one with that shit." <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> it. No a point part, being a part, the. Yeah. No point being the eighth comet to fucking do that. Um, it was just, I just saw people crumbling and it was only two days in. You're like, nah, yeah. come, come on, man. This but that's, is, you know. Mate, that's the, that's the thing of it. No, not only is it a financial strain, but I've always said about Edinburgh, it's a mental battle before you've even stepped foot oh, on yeah. stage. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because it, we're all ego-driven, right? So you're walking to your venue and you're bombarded by posters of other comics who have got more money to spend and are playing bigger rooms. Uh, you're also bombarded by 
their all the reviews plastered over and all your thinking is oh, I just why nobody's come to review my show do you know what I mean and yeah. no matter how much you try and armor yourself those thoughts needling and get in there and so it's just a battle of the ego before you've even stepped on stage to however many people have have come along to see yeah. you um i think i'm a, you know i've worked hard at edinburgh for years uh last year my i did a free fringe show which was the first time i'd done free fringe oh yeah and my numbers my numbers were strong because i've done bloody 12 13 years up there that's right yeah and i've i've not not be it it made me realize a couple of years ago so i'm never going to be the darling of the media i'm never going to be that comic but if you put me in a room with a hundred or so people i will fucking do my utmost to tear the shit out of that room yeah man yeah and give them a really good time and i also discovered because of edinburgh i'm really good at playing to 30 people <laughs> Like really fucking good. Thirty, such a good number. Oh man, it's a nice. It's a nice number, isn't it? I got. It's I, so good. I got a thirty uh, in a hundred yeah. seater is totally playable. <laughs> I got really good at playing to because it was so sporadic. You'd have weekends, you'd be packed to the rafters, but then you'd have yeah. the earlier in the week, you'd have two or three. When I put that tweet out, I'd had two people in my audience, oh. and and but they were brilliant and they were lovely. And I and I think if uh, if uh, if Lucy's listening, nice one. They were sad, and I had this big epic ending to the show. So the lights are going, and this big like the voice of God, and there's this thing, and then and then this big song starts, and then there's two people sat watching this mass this massive ending. And I wish I wish I'd videoed it from the back of the room and oh. just see these these people in silhouette. As all yeah. these lights are going off. <laughs> but it was one of the best shows I've ever had. It, yeah. You know, so, yeah. Well, it's be, I guess it's because the stakes are not high in the slightest for you. Yeah. Right? Um, the, the big battle, because I've been in situations like that, the big battle is to uh, get over your sadness about that. Yes. Um, I, I remember the toughest show I've ever done in Edinburgh was 2007. I just... During the day, I'd hosted, like, the Pleasance uh, Grand, some charity thing, the Pleasance Grand, mm. sold out, uh, and afterwards my flyer was nowhere to be found, right? right? And all these people have, you know, thousand people have walked out of this venue, and I'd had such a good gig. Wow. Um, and I could not see my flyer anywhere. And uh, then I eventually found her, and she was sitting having a pint, and I was like, I thought... You're meant to be flyering oh, that mate. crowd. And she said, no need, you're sold out tonight. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, you're sold out. And I suddenly thought, this is amazing. And I, But I kept thinking, wow. I've got the rest of the, you know, this was about two weeks in. It's like, I've got nowhere near selling out this ADC venue. The most I played to was 40. I yeah. like, this is, okay, this is great. I've sold out, brilliant. And so the rest of the day, I'm buzzing. I'm excited. You know, it was like a Wednesday night as well. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, if this is sold out, that means the knock-on effect, right? Yeah. And I show up to that venue, and there were eight people. What? And the flyer had looked at the wrong show on the list. Oh, no. Um, of shows that she's meant to be flyering. Oh. And to do the mental backflips to uh, prepare yourself, right, Whoa. of 
because I was absolutely gutted. But equally, of course, yeah. I was still thinking there's eight people who have chosen to come and see me. And it goes back to that thing that's always been in me of uh, I'm still going out there representing myself. I can't, I don't want to be the guy out there playing to eight people being sad yeah. and angry. And I hate it when comedians get angry at an audience yeah. when they're small. And you're like, it's not their fault, mate. It is nah. not their fault. And stop taking it out on them, right? Yes. You've got to fucking celebrate these people um, because you never know who's in the audience. Yeah, um, man. And that night, I it took me a good, I'd say a good 35 minutes before the show of just really trying to, you know, sort of expunge <laughs> the negative vibes. And it turned into a really, really fun show. And uh, there was a producer in who was scouting for people for a new TV show. Um, and they hated me, so I didn't get it. But they were, <laughs> no, they they did like it. But the program that were, that they were looking at me for never never went anywhere. Right. But equally, the lesson is there, isn't it? In that you know you you do never know who's in. But ultimately, you celebrate the people who have chosen to come and see you because in Edinburgh, there's thousands of options, right? Yes. So yeah, yeah, celebrate absolutely. celebrate that they've come to see you and. Yeah. Um, you know, and you're always representing yourself. You know, that's so what stand-up's right, all about. That's why we take all the shit, is because it's all us, right? Yeah. Like, and if you're an actor in a gone. play, if you're an actor in a play playing to eight people, doesn't matter. It's not, you know, it's a shared thing. It's not all on you. Do you know what I mean? So Yeah, absolutely. Mate, It's I, this is what I like about you. This is why I knew you'd be good chat on here, because you are a glass-half-full person. You... and. Yeah, I mean, you're human. You're a human being. So, yeah, like you said, you get you know now and again yeah. the dark clouds will will descend. But even that, you'll have a moment. You'll go, "Fuck, this is fucked." And then you'll go, "Yeah, but fuck it." And then you'll kind of push yourself on. And yeah. I, that and that's 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 a that's a skill, man. Because not many people, yeah. not many people. It's have a survival that. skill as well. Though, yeah, right? yeah. You know, I am a glass half full guy. But lately, I've been going. I am glass half full. Why don't I just get a smaller glass? <laughs> right? Smaller glass. And that's, I guess, yeah. I think that's part of the doing the special at a village pub was that I know I can pull 100 people in there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I'm positive I can do that. But I don't want to go to central London and say, get the Bloomsbury Theatre and play to 100 people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. you know what I mean? So yeah, make your man. glass smaller. <laughs> so that's great advice. That's a great, I like that. That's a great way to finish. Yeah. If you, yeah, be a glass half full person. Just get a smaller glass. Smaller glass, uh, man. <laughs> and I want to ask you, before we wrap this up, this has been yeah. lovely, Jared. Thank you so much, man. No, when thank you. you. Did the, when you did the pot noodle adverts, <laughs> yeah. How did you have to practice walking around those heels? Um, there was yes. That, there was, yeah. Mate, I've done a few <laughs> things in heels, actually. Um, and you know, as much as the I, the pot noodle ads really uh, changed my life a bit, I think. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm proud of I'm proud of them. I know they're just pot noodle ads. I know they're just adverts. No, you were great in them though. They mate, but aside aside from it, me coming across well in them, the people I got to work with was insane because yeah. basically the ad guys wanted fly to the concords right but they could not afford them because fly to the concords had just did you know i mean they'd just taken yeah. off so um they 
they found me, um, found out that I could not sing. Um, <laughs> but we're, I think we're determined to have a Kiwi flavour to it because yeah. of their love of Fly the Concords. But also they wanted how they explained it to me. Because I went audition after audition and I kept saying to them, why am I back? I cannot sing, guys. I cannot sing. <laughs> and they were saying, no, we don't want someone who can sing. We want like an average bloke who yeah. kind of can't sing. But anyway, they, they got Taika Waititi directed those first lot of ads. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah, because they couldn't get Fly the Concords, but they could get the guy who directed yeah. Fly the Concords yeah. to give it the Fly the Concords vibe. Um, so, you know, I got to work with him for for, for a month. Um, and I knew him from back home, but we didn't mm. like know each other really well. Uh, so that was great, getting an insight into, uh, you know, how, how he works. And he does sleep a lot on set. Um, does he? <laughs> oh, that's a thing that's going around on the internet is photos of Tyker asleep on set. <laughs> I didn't and, know that. I didn't know that. Oh, he did it on the pot noodle sets as well. He, he was <laughs> hilarious. Never, obviously never during a take. No. But in between takes when they were sitting, setting shit up, he would just... And for me... You know, I, I remember looking at that going, holy shit, like this, he's he's relaxed enough and comfortable enough with yeah. what he's doing that he can just close his eyes and chill the fuck out. That is Whereas incredible. for the whole time doing those adverts, mate, my nerves were jangling and the tension was high for me, mm. right? So I learned that from him. It was just, you know, be confident in what you're doing and chill the fuck out, right? Yeah. Uh, and then the the second lot of adverts was Garth Jennings was the director no, who right. directed um, uh, Son of Rambo and um, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide. And oh, he's wow. done loads of other stuff as well. Yeah. Um, and he was an absolute perfectionist uh, and absolute good time vibe all the way through. <laughs> um, and so, I, you know, watching him, I learnt... You know, I just learned so much on that of, yes, you can you can be demanding, but you can also be fucking nice about it, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's exactly what he was. And then the third set of ads were done by, they went a completely different track. They went away from the comedy and they got a music video director. Um, I can't remember his name, but he directed the Backstreet Boys video, Everybody. Oh, which, yeah, wow. Great mate, I absolutely, I absolutely yeah. geeked out about that. So he, he had just finished directing a Kylie Minogue video and then he came and did the pot noodle ads and then he was going off to do Maroon 5. And what I learned about that was uh, to some directors, they could not give a shit, especially with adverts. It, you know, it is all about the product. Mm. Um, because I would do takes and uh, then he'd go, okay, moving on. And then I'd go, oh, no, wait, I had this idea... And then he'll go, okay, fine, what's your idea? And I was like, I just thought if I... And then he said, look, if you've got an idea like that, just do it on the first take so we don't have to do oh, plenty wow. of takes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, did you... Yeah. So did you think it was funny what I did with my face? And he was like, I'm not watching you. Oh, shit. Do you know what I mean? Right, yeah. And so that was to, to go from working with those two. And because he was making a music video, do you yes. know what I mean? He was yeah, all about yeah, the yeah. background. He was all about the product. And... Me and the other pot noodle guy, we were just the faces of pot noodle at that time, yeah. right? But I learned so much from it. It paid for my honeymoon and it allowed me to buy a house. Excellent. So, um, 
Yeah, you can't argue with that. I mean, no. that, and that, that's and that's how people say a lot. I've said this before as well. People say, "Oh, do you feel successful?" And you go, "Do you know what? Yeah, I kind yeah. of I've achieved a lot actually." Yeah, and, yeah. and you, you have to because if you allow other people to judge you, if you allow that judgment to be your own judgment, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I've battled, mate, I've battled with this for years uh, because of popping up on these TV shows and doing that uh, BBC sitcom, The Persuasionists, that was one of the best experiences of my life and then turned into one of the worst experiences of my life um, right. because it because it absolutely tanked and it was all over Chortle for a month oh, about mate. how badly The Persuasionists was going. <laughs> and when you get something like that, mate, you think, you think this is it, this is me. I'm in a BBC sitcom with Adam Buxton... Uh, you know Daisy Haggard. You know all these, yeah, all these yeah, big yeah, hitters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm like, this is it. This is you know, and it's been made by Bwark, who made In Betweeners. Yeah. Like, I'm on my, I'm on my fucking way. <laughs> and then for it to absolutely crash and burn, and then having to walk into Jongler's dressing rooms, and bearing in mind, I never, ever said I'm done with stand up. I don't need to no. play these rooms anymore. Do you know what I mean? As soon as yeah. throughout the filming, I was also doing the warm up for We Are Clang. Do you know what I mean? At no oh, point wow, was I thinking. Man. No point was I thinking. No, I'm in a sitcom. I'm over all this other shit now. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I don't need like, this. Yeah, I was like, I can't believe I'm in a sitcom. This is amazing. Oh, Greg, Merrick, and Steve want me to do the warm up for their show. Yes, I'd love to do that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then I'm straight back into doing stand up. Oh, I've got this coming up. That's exciting. But walking into Jongler's fucking dressing rooms and having comedians uh, making really fucking snarky comments, obviously mm. not all of them, but just a nah. handful, was enough to be a, a real kick in the teeth for a long time. And uh, and then thinking that I was a complete failure after that. Oh, and, you know, I had, I had a good couple of years of really fighting that, that bitterness seeping in. We all know comedians who have... The bitterness is one. Right? Oh yeah, and I would say I had probably a good, a good few months where that you know was almost past my eyes, the the bitterness of it all because <laughs> I thought I had it, I thought I'd yeah. made it right, and uh, and then having people go, oh, what are you, you're not on TV anymore? What are you doing? Like, oh, and you're like, like you failed, I mean, and that's it. Yeah. yeah, and then having to then realizing actually I've been making an incredibly good living. You know, I've, I'm the sole provider for my whole family. Yeah. And I can do, comedy's allowed me to do that. And I think you need to take stock. And not enough of us do it because our egos get in the way too much. True. Do you know what I mean? If yeah, you're, absolutely, yeah. If you're consistently putting in good gigs and you're earning money and you're paying your bills and you're paying your taxes <laughs> and, uh, do you know what I mean? And you're, you're living off doing what it is you love, then that's success, right? That's Absolutely, success. yes. Sure, we'd like more of it. We'd like more yeah, of, of it. And we'd like to pick and choose more. Um, but you play the hand you've been dealt, and sometimes you get played a really good hand and then realise you're playing a different fucking game. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I I know we're wrapping this up. Sorry. I do just no, want no, to tell you. No, no, you're fine, man. You're fine. Go on. I do just want to tell you one more thing. Uh, about the pot noodle ads. Is that all yeah, right? Yeah, go on. Yeah. No, mate, uh, listen, you can go on as long as you like. I was, I could <laughs> I could hear your family killing each other in the background. I'm oh, like, they are, the dog and all that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so 
I was uh, I was doing Banana Cabaret, oh, yeah. right? And the gig, I I remember this night vividly. Um, I'd had a I'd had a really good day, and I get to the gig, and the, it was when they had two shows, and they'd gone brilliantly, and uh, I was living in Surbiton at the time, so I had to get the train up to Waterloo to go back out uh, up to whatever. It doesn't matter. The logistics doesn't matter. But um, basically, I get to Bellum train station in time to get an earlier train than what I thought, right? So yep. I had a good gig, and comedians know this feeling, right, of getting to having great gigs and then getting to a train station, and you're like, holy shit, I'm going to get a train earlier than one, the one I planned. Yes. This is, oh, this is brilliant. I had a really <laughs> good book on the go. Um Surbiton station was close, so I was going to Kingston, but I was like, I was thinking I was going to walk, but then I thought, fuck it, I'm going to treat myself to a taxi. I was feeling good, mate. <laughs> I get out at Kingston station. Steve Williams rings me up, who's been one of my, you know, one of my closest pals through comedy. No, I love since Steve. Day he's a good one. lad. Yeah. He's incredible, and he's a positive, positive force. He is. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we're chatting away, and I'm telling him about how. The day's been great. The two gigs went great. I, I went into detail about the train arriving early. I was so happy, right? And then uh, this this uh, guy comes up. I'm on the phone to Steve. This guy comes up, up to me, and he's holding his phone, and he gets my attention, and he says, Hey, hey, are you the guy from the pot noodle ads? And I said, uh, Yeah, 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 I am, actually. And he went, Oh, I just, uh, I just wanted to let you know, you're a cunt. Oh, my God. And then walked off right and i heard i mate i was speechless right and i just watched him and then his phone was on and he went did you hear that just call the pot noodle guy account <laughs> right no. and then all i can hear is steve williams pissing himself <laughs> laughing because he's like that could not have been set up any more perfect he's like i just heard you for five minutes telling me how amazing your day is and then <laughs> And then, that. and then to get called a C-bomb right at the end of it. <laughs> and in front oh. of Steve Williams as well. Yeah. <laughs> lovely, lovely. I mean, horrible. Fuck, but man. Absolutely, the timing of it, everything. Yeah. Absolutely lovely. What a kick in the nuts. That was the yeah. universe just going, yeah, don't get too, don't get too ahead of yourself, <laughs> yeah, yeah. mate. Exactly. Yeah, I know you're yeah, reading yeah. a really good book at the moment, but chill the fuck out, mate. This guy's about to kick you in the nuts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. What a yeah. brilliant story. Jared, Jared, you're a fucking dude. I love that. Oh, I, I have loved this. Thank you so much for coming I've on. I thoroughly enjoyed it. We oh, need a man, night out amazing. in Liverpool again. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. Yeah, well, did we go to a rickshaw? Was yeah, we us? did. Yeah. yeah, we've got ah. we've got photographic yeah. evidence of that. <laughs> yeah, I, do you know what? There's a time in my life where most weekends, yeah, in comedy, I was pretty pissed. <laughs> yeah, I ah. remember that weekend. It was great fun. Um, but you on the drive home on the Saturday night, you introduced me to Schneider's pretzel snacks. Oh shit! Yeah, like a yeah. jalapeno cheese ones. <laughs> I'm not going to say it was a game changer, but but for a good couple of years after that, whenever I saw those things, I'd buy them and think of you whilst I was oh, eating them. Oh, man. Oh, well, yeah. when we went to... Where were we? Was it... Oh, um, Stourbridge. Stourbridge. And, and we had a lovely romantic evening in the restaurant before... <laughs> it's that French restaurant before yeah, the but gig. then I got the... I messed up the timings, right? I made us have a three-course meal <laughs> and then... Swanned into the gig thinking we've got heaps of time, but you yeah. were 
hosting. Yeah, and I that was you it. Were yeah. on first. So I thought, oh, you'll have like 20 minutes just to digest. But no, we rocked up and they were like, Straight where on. the hell have you been? <laughs> well, that was it. I had to MC and do the first bit because someone dropped out. Yeah, that's out. right. Yeah. yeah. But we had a, uh, that was it. I remember that. I remember I've been telling everyone phrases. One of the best car journeys I've had is with you because we went from Stourbridge back to, back to the south. Yes. And it was like we teleported back because I think we were just, oh, was, we were just yeah. ch- chatting so so much. I mean, that's what a three-course French meal does to you, though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it just fills was, you with happiness. Lady in the Tramp vibes going on. Yeah. There was a lot of romance in the air that night. I just found it ridiculous that there was that incredible restaurant in fucking Stourbridge. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like a proper traditional French restaurant. It was amazing, <laughs> wasn't it? French onion soup. Didn't yes. we have that? Yes. Yeah, yes. Oh, man. See? We are successful. We've had the moments like that, man. <laughs> Jared? There's not many people who can do a three-course meal and then do a show, is there? <laughs> no, it's because we're fucking legends. Yeah. <laughs> Where can we find you online, Jared? Um, well, just Jared Christmas. There's only one of me. It's There's two R's, Jared, Jared Christmas. That's and it. my uh, Life from a Village pub is on Vimeo for three ninety nine. Wicked. And I urge everyone listening to get it. It'll be, a, it'll be worth, your, worth your time and your money. And yeah. Christmas is your real name, isn't it? Certainly is, mate. Not even a stage name. No. Um, Even though uh, when I was just getting off the open mic circuit, Steve Jameson used to run a gig. Used to run a gig, I can't remember what it was called. The Meccano Club in London. And I was desperate to get in there. Everybody, all my contemporaries were playing there and I could not get a booking. And I was playing everywhere else and I couldn't understand it. And then uh, Steve Jameson, who was booking it, was on a car journey with Al Pitcher. And he says to Al Pitcher, you know what I really hate is comedians with stupid stage names. <laughs> um, and he said, the one that really gets me at the moment, I hate it, is that guy, surname, he's going by the name Christmas. Like, <laughs> Who would choose, why would you choose that as a stage <laughs> name? And Al said, well, he didn't choose it, it's his real name. And Steve Jameson was like, oh my God, I haven't booked him for a year and a half. Because I just, had, <laughs> just out of principle, because I hated the name. <laughs> and then oh, when he told me that story, I was like, "Yeah, but you go on stage as Sol Bernstein." <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, exactly. And Al Pitcher of all the people he could have said it to as well. Al Al Pitcher. I mean, Pitcher. I bet he fucking rinsed you. Oh yeah, big time, big time. <laughs> funny, funny. Good time, Jared. This has been lovely. Well, Please, it has been lovely. Love to, give my love to Amelia. Will do, mate. Will do. Give my love to Jade. She's probably listening. Jade says bye and she sends her love. Bye, Jade. Bye, Uh, Hope to see you all at gigs again soon, huh? Yeah, let's do that. When we can, we'll just come and and stand near you. (laughs) We'll we'll, we'll come up because we're we're, we're moving to Bristol at some point. Are you? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. December. This is fantastic news. So we'll be up. We'll be there. My sons are moving to Bristol, so we're all moving to Bristol, mate. And one of your sons is a dancer, isn't he? He's already in Bristol, yeah. Mate. And so, and then my When you get over now, here, yeah. we can finally do the show that I've been planning for years, which is <laughs> comedians dancing, right? Yeah. This is what ah, happens, you right? said about this. Exactly. This is what happens, yes. right? You get maybe four or five, right? We start off by doing a group number together, right? And then one comic steps forward, does five minutes material, and then. Uh, does a solo dance afterwards, right? And then the next Fuck, person yeah. comes up, does the same one, and then you all end on a big group one. 
Yes, Epic. let's do it. Um, yes, we'll get my lad to choreograph it. Fuck yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm up for that. I can't wait. Jared, Love it. thank you so much, man. No, thank you. Produced by Paul Daniels at pauldaniels.tv. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Made by darkhorsedigital.co.uk. Shooting, live streaming and podcast production.